as Keith had said, I've been given an open topic to preach from today. And, and although that can be a blessing, um, it also can be quite tough, right? Because what is it do you preach to a church um, that you are not a part of and don't quite know where every single person is at to bring a word for them? So I've really been prayerfully considering what to preach today. And I found myself drawn to Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. So if you have your Bibles with me, uh, get them open to Philippians chapter 1. While we're turning there, I'll just give you a bit of background. And Paul is writing to this church in Philippi from a prison cell. He's not 100% sure which prison cell he's in, but the fact is, is that he is in prison. And he's there because of his proclamation of the gospel, right? And in those times, when you were in prison, um, it's not like being part of uh, Majesty's prison at the moment where you might get all your meals provided for you. In those days, um, there were no meals provided for you. If you weren't uh, supported by people outside of the prison, by friends and families, then you wouldn't eat. And the church in Philippi have sent Paul a financial gift to help them or to help him and to support him whilst he is in prison. And we know from Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, that the church in Philippi were by no means a wealthy church. In fact, Paul used the word that they were in extreme poverty in order to describe their financial situation. And I, I recall having a conversation with a pastor at one point in my life where I was also not earning a lot of money and said to him, I couldn't wait until I could earn a lot more money so I could be more generous with my finances. But the fact is, actually, that the more we have, the less generous generally we are. The more we have, the more actually we want to hold on to it and keep it for ourselves. It's actually, when we have less, actually is so much more of a gift in order to release it. And this pastor in his wisdom said to me, actually, it is more costly for you to give in your little than what it is for you to give when you have much. So why don't you begin to start sowing faithfully now when you have little rather than waiting when you have more. And this is the place that the church in Philippi are at. They are in extreme poverty. Their financial situation is not good and yet they feel their hearts compelled to support Paul while he is in prison and send a generous financial gift to them. And so Paul is writing to them in response to their generosity to express his gratitude for their partnership with him in the gospel. So why don't we read Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 to 11 together. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, along with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. 
for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affections of Christ Jesus. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernments that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and the praise of God. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that you would make it real to us as a community of believers that have gathered together in this space. Would we see the joy of, of knowing you? Would we see that our hope is, is rooted firmly and secured in what you have done for us, Jesus? Reveal to a greater depth knowledge of your Son, Jesus, to us today, we ask and we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And so the theme throughout this letter that Paul has written to the church in Philippi is about joy. Actually, Paul says it 16 times in four chapters. But we need to know something about joy. Joy is not circumstantial. In other words, when things are good, we are joyful, and when things are bad, then we are sorrowful. Rather, Paul is writing to them to remind them that joy or true or real joy is rooted in whose we are. It's the joy of Christ and the joy that is from Christ that is able to shine even in the dark places of our lives. And joy is available to every one of us today who are believers in Christ. And so if you are here today and you are not a believer, your friend has maybe brought you along I, along with everyone else in this room, are so glad that you've come today. It's, it's awesome that you are here. I hope that after today you will know where true joy can be found. True joy is not found in wealth, not found in relationships, not found in success, but true joy is only found in Jesus. And if you're here today and life has maybe potentially got you down, I hope that you will have your eyes lifted up to see Jesus as our true an only source of joy. Now, I'm not sure if anyone has watched the Netflix docu oh, it's not a documentary, Netflix series called uh, Maria Kondo. Anyone seen that? No? Well, if you haven't, I recommend it. However, if you do like to hoard stuff, or you do like, uh, to, or if you have a slightly sentimental bone in your body, I maybe perhaps recommend that you don't watch it because I think you might develop a twitch as you watch Maria Kondo. But anyway, what Maria Kondo does is she has this phrase, does it spark joy in you? Does it spark joy in you? And by asking this question, what she's trying to do is to help people clean up and declutter their houses. You ever seen those programs on TV about hoarders when you walk into people's homes and it's full of stuff. She's coming in to try and help these people to declutter their home. She gets them to pick up one of the 100 teddy bears that they maybe have or the 100 t-shirts that you have and to hold it close to you and ask yourself the question, does it spark joy in me? 
And she describes this joy as this warm, fuzzy feeling that you get whilst you hold the item. And if there's no joy when you hold the item, then that's your cue. You're able to get rid of it. So that's the pile of teddy bears that don't spark joy, and that's the pile of teddy bears that do spark joy, or whatever it might be. In my case, it might be barbecues. I am South African, if you haven't, if you were wondering, from the Southern Hemisphere. And my wife always tells me we don't need another barbecue. I've tried to declutter, and as I declutter, I just seem to accumulate another one. And, and all of them spark joy um, for myself and for everyone who visits. So why would you want to give something like that away? But anyway, <laughs> and for some reason, this might seem like quite an attractive way to live our lives, right? If it gives me good vibes, then it stays. And if it doesn't, then it goes. And the problem is, is that we want this feeling as often as possible. And so what we do is we shape all of our pursuits around it. And eventually what happens is we bounce from one thing to the next in order to pursue that warm, fuzzy feeling, looking for things to fill us with joy. Anyone could, does anyone feel like they could do with a nice holiday abroad in the sun? Yeah? Am I the only one? No, there's a few of us. I definitely could. The thing is, is that I was in Greece about five weeks ago, and I have friends who are in Greece right now, and I see all their pictures, and I just want to go back. I want the warm, fuzzy feeling of being on holiday. The problem is, is that that warm, fuzzy feeling is often short-lived, right? Because you come back at some point, well, you have to come back home at some point, and it only takes a few days in order for you to lose that holiday feeling. All that you've got left is either sunburn or a tan in order to remind you of the holiday that you had in Greece. It leaves us craving and desiring the holiday again. I start thinking, I wonder if I could go without my kids every 12 weeks, because I've got three kids. That's really expensive for five people to go to Greece, but maybe if we could leave the kids behind somehow and release Esle, who's my wife and I, to go across, then maybe we could afford to go to Greece more often. Let's keep that warm, fuzzy feeling going, right? Let's keep, keep it happening. And so how is it that you and I are able to find true joy? Well, firstly, we need to realize that joy is not rooted in people, places, or things. And I think that Paul, locked in a prison cell, is able to help us find out what this true source of joy is. How is a man able to be full of joy and write a letter to a church and speak of joy so often through his letter while he is imprisoned? Well, you see from his letter is that Paul's joy is rooted in God. And it's also his joy is worked out in the people of God. Now, Paul wasn't always a Christian. Uh, Paul's journey began as someone who hated Christians. He was passionate Pharisee. He believed that Christians should die, that Christians should be punished because they were heretics. Paul was a violent man who would put some people in jail. Others, he put six feet in the ground. Now, in a prison cell, 
understands that the being there is maybe something that he deserved based on his actions, yet he is so loved by Jesus undeservedly. The fact that Jesus didn't snuff out Paul's life in Acts chapter 9, but rather saved him is a miraculous story that changed Paul's life. Paul went from persecuting Christians to planting and building up Christians, including this church in Philippi. And as he writes this letter, he has joy in his heart because Jesus has saved him. And also now because he belongs to the people of God whom he used to persecute. He is now part of this community that loves and supports him both physically as well as spiritually. Paul's love for the church is rooted in Christ. And we know this because he doesn't stop talking about Jesus. I don't know about you, but I know for myself is that I talk about the things that I love. What about you? Maybe you love to bake. Maybe you got into the sourdough thing during lockdown, and it's all about the crust and the blisters on top of the sourdough and what's the crumb like. Or maybe you like to bake cake, and when you go out to eat cake at someone else's uh, bakery or coffee shop in the city, you're checking the crumb. What's it like? Is, it, is the cheesecake too sour? Is it too sweet? Is there too much carrots, too much nuts, too little, too much spice, too little? Maybe, like me, you love to cook. You love to barbecue. In fact, I barbecued last night. <laughs> love to make pizza. I love making food. If you look at my social media feed, it's full of food. I watch people making food. That's sad. <laughs> but I love, that's what I love. I speak about that sometimes to my own shame. People say, Mike, you should preach the way in which you speak about food. I was like, oh gosh, do I really speak about food that much in such a way? I won't, I won't start speaking about food. This is about Jesus. But Paul, in his 11 verses of chapter 1, mentions Jesus' name 13 times. Go and count for yourself. Paul loved Jesus. His joy was found in him. And it was this joy that transcended every situation, every circumstance that Paul found himself in because his joy was firmly rooted in Christ. And the good news of the gospel is that your joy too can be found in Christ as well. Think about Adam and Eve in the garden. They had options. They had the tree of life, which gave eternal life, and they had the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But they were intrigued by this tree. And so they pursued it, and they feasted on it, even though there was another one, a better one. The fact is, is that all of us look for joy in this world even if we know that it will never satisfy us. Oh, to have a holiday in Greece again, that would just be amazing. Only to have it forgotten about in the week after. We all look for joy in people, places, programs, things, 
and dare I even say it, even in religion. Being a, a moral person, being good. Later on in chapter 3 of the same letter, Paul says that all of that is counted as rubbish because Jesus is so much better. The message from Paul today is follow Jesus because he is where true joy is found. C.S. Lewis said this amazing quote. He said, We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink, sex, and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. We are like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because we cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. How many of us today spend large portions of our day seeking pleasure, satisfaction, and joy in created things? Remember, I'm also preaching to myself as well as what I'm preaching to you guys this week as I was preparing and reading and writing these things. I was like, oh my gosh, I am such a pleasure seeker in the things of this earth. I am that child that's making mud pies in the slum where an offer at, of a holiday at the beach is an offer to me. How I seek for joy and satisfaction in this where there is infinite joy and satisfaction found in Jesus. And so C.S. Lewis was bang on in that statement because when we do this, it is like making mud pies in the slum when an offer of a holiday at the sea is there. Church, seeking joy in created things will always leave us wanting. Always. Seek Jesus. In my devotions this week, I was reading through Galatians, and Paul said, Sow to the flesh, and you will reap corruption, but sow to the Spirit, and you will reap eternal life. I found myself walking through my house, saying to myself, Sow to the Spirit, sow to the Spirit. Because all my flesh wants to do is to sow to the flesh, sow to the flesh. And it just leaves me dry, leaves me wanting more. God made us, gave us that deep desire to seek and to want Him. Yet we try and fulfill it and satisfy it with created things. That desire is God-given. Sow to the Spirit and we will reap eternal life. Don't ever be fooled into thinking that God does not know and see your sowing to the flesh. Okay? He knows that we have ignored Him, that we have sought pleasure in other things. He knows our imperfections. He knows our flaws so much that He sent His Son Jesus to die on a cross for them even before you even committed them. Scripture calls Jesus the Good Shepherd. And the Good Shepherd knows what joy in this life looks like, what joy in the life to come looks like. The Good Shepherd knows how to find joy even in suffering, which is how Paul is able to have joy even in a prison cell. 
So how do we have our affections stirred for the love of God? How do we have our joy that is rooted in Christ? Well, let's look at what Paul says in verse 9. He says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Paul is wanting their affections for Jesus to abound more and more in knowledge and all discernment. His desire and his prayer for them is that their love for Jesus would be accompanied by knowledge in him. Knowledge of him. And for some of us, we've grown up on Sunday teachings alone without any time in the week of reading our Bibles, devotionally, spending time with Jesus. Now coming to church on a Sunday and hearing God's word spoken to us and into our lives is good for us, but no one can live on one meal alone, right? You might have a good Sunday roast dinner, but you cannot not have food tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday. We need food every day in order to sustain our lives, unless you're fasting, which is in a, for a period of time. But we need to be fed on a regular basis. So it is with our spiritual lives. I think of the people of Israel in their wilderness wanderings, how God provided for them manna on a daily basis. If they didn't eat the food on that day, they couldn't keep it for tomorrow because it's spoilt. God provided for them daily bread. There's something in that for us as the church. As believers, we need to grow in these spiritual disciplines of reading our Bibles, spending time with God. I think that this discipline of devotions and reading our Bibles, along with giving, I think are two of the most difficult principles or disciplines for us as Christians that we struggle with the most. And please don't ever just do them out of a place of duty because some South African preacher visited on Sunday and said to you, read your Bible in the week, spend time with God, rather allow your motivation to be with Jesus and read your word to allow your affections to be stirred for Jesus. Do it out of love for him. Devotions and growing in your knowledge of Jesus is important. You cannot live spiritually on one meal a week on a Sunday. And sometimes you might skip a Sunday. That leaves you two weeks. It's just not enough. I heard this saying, I think it was Spurgeon that said, we are like leaking buckets. We need to take our leaking buckets and constantly put it under the perpetual flow of his grace on a daily basis to allow the bucket to be kept full because we constantly leak. It's important for you as the church that you would grow in the knowledge of his son. Read your Bibles in the week. There's something about that kid's song at kids' church that I grew up in. Read your Bibles, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Right? So Paul 
also says, not only is such love to be accompanied with knowledge, but also with discernment. In other words, with wisdom. He wants them to understand what it means to follow Jesus and to obey him, even when we are unsure of the situation that we find ourselves in. But why is it that, prayer, that Paul prays this prayer for the Philippian church? They were generous gospel partners with him. They gave out of their deep love for God, first and foremost, and then out of love for Paul. They loved God deeply. What they did was motivated out of worship for him. So why is Paul's prayer for them that they would grow in their love for God? I think he does that to remind them to keep going. To remind them not to become complacent. He loved this church. They had given so much. And they loved Jesus. But as it is with all of us, we are at risk of becoming complacent. It's tempting for us to sit back and to say, well, at least maybe we're not like those Galatians, or at least we're not like those Corinthians. Things are going well. Let's not rock the boat. It's the summer. Take the foot off the accelerator of pursuing Jesus. I'm at risk of this, and I'm sure you are as well. My devotions, my devotional time with God is at greatest risk when I'm taking it easy. Along with my giving, all I want to do is pursue my flesh when I'm on holiday. I don't, it's, it's an absolute sacrifice to read my Bible. It's a, it's a struggle of the flesh. To be generous when I'm on holiday is a struggle of the, of the flesh. And his prayer for them is that there is more joy to be found. He might be in jail, but he knows that the kingdom of God is an ever-increasing kingdom. My prayer for you here at Regent is that your love for God would grow and grow. That you would grow in wisdom. That you would grow in discernment and knowledge. That you would know his incredible and outrageous love for you. And that you would come to find that although there is some joy in this world that comes from um, the good gifts that God gives to us in created things, but the ultimate gift, true joy, is only found in Jesus. Such an understanding of Jesus will change our view of him and will change our lives. Knowledge like this will keep us from competing Keep us from complaining, knowing that we can have joy in all circumstances. If you know Jesus today, allow God by His Spirit to stir your affections for an even greater love of Him. Paul was full of joy despite his situation, being in a prison cell. Be a joyful people who love God, love people. Know that Jesus loves you so much that he died on the cross for you and that, he, that you can have freedom and forgiveness of sins in him. Let's get out of our comfortable seats of life. Put our hands to the plow of life and pursue Jesus because he gave us everything that we need.
as we close, why don't we close our eyes and I'm going to pray this prayer that Paul prayed over the church in Philippi for you and for us. Jesus, I pray that our love for you and our love for one another may be may abound more and more. That such love would accompany knowledge and discernment so that we may live lives that are excellent. Live lives that are pure and blameless till the day that you return. And I pray that we would be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes from you. We ask this for your glory and for our good. And remind us today that ultimate joy is found in you alone, our Lord and our King, the one who rejoices over us, the one who is full of grace and is kind. Holy Spirit, help us to pursue you so that our lives may be filled with joy. And we pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Even as we take communion later on, be reminded afresh that that is where your joy is rooted in, firmly secure in Him. Bless you guys.